Your Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, hello, Doxedo. Um, it's uh, such a privilege to be able to spend time with you today. And uh, we're going to be studying a passage from three, uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Um, and I'm so excited to share this with you. This is actually the, the, the passage that we are working with in this series. And the series that we're busy with is called Metamorphosis. Now, metamorphosis is the process of changing the essential nature of something. And what we're thinking about in this sermon series is the idea of how God is busy changing us, busy transforming us into His own image and making us more and more like Jesus. And so we're speaking about how does that process take place in our lives as Christians and also how do we participate uh, in this process. So uh, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being Transformed. So it's this present continuous tense. We are busy being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So this idea of being transformed or being changed or being metamorphosized, if there is even a word like that. Speaking about that process. Now, here's the thing about change. Is that we all want change. I'm willing to bet that you want change in your life. We, we are all desperate for change. Everyone wants to get better, right? We all want to improve ourselves in, in some ways or in some areas of our life. And we see this even outside of the church. We see it everywhere in the world. Just think about how much money health magazines are making or fitness magazines are, are actually making. Just, it, and it's based all on this one concept of self-improvement, getting better at something. But here's the thing. The philosophy that the world works with when it comes to seeing results in your life, to see, you know, how do you, how do you see change in your life? The way that the world sells us how we get there, it's, it's through hard work. If you work hard, you will see results. Hard work brings about change. Now, obviously, there is some truth to that. There is great truth to that. The problem, however, is that we take that into our Christianity. Now, you see, it's fine if you, if you quote that you know, line, you, know, you put in the hard work and you, and you watch a Dwayne, Johnson, a Dwayne Johnson, The Rock motivational video every morning before you go hit the gym. We've all done that, right? I love The Rock. But the problem is we can't take that into our walk with God because it's not about your hard work. It's actually much more a heart work when it comes to this change happening in our lives. Now, the way that many people uh, come to Christianity, and, and I've had like, many conversations like this, someone will come to me and say, well, I want to sort out my life. I want to get my life into order. And so then they're saying, well, I'm eating better. I started exercising and I started going to church because, you know, church and God is one of those important areas that you need to get in order if you want to sort out your life. But we know that the reality of being saved, being introduced into the family of God is that God changes us radically, right? And that process is not something that you sort out. It's not something you put in place, just like you put in the hard work with your fitness. You don't put in the hard work with your religion, then all of a sudden you are accepted by God. It is not a work that we do. It is a work that God has done on our behalf. It is the work of Jesus on the cross and in His resurrection that introduces us into the family of God. 
Now, when I say that, most Christians understand that, right? So we usually don't dispute about that, and, and most Christ, uh, Christians don't struggle with this idea that we cannot save ourselves and that it's not our work that brings us into the kingdom of God. It is a work of God being done for us that introduces us into the family of God. That's not usually where the problem is. The problem is that once we are in the family of God, it's as if we think that now that we are in, by grace, because of the work that God has done for us, now we work hard to become better Christians. And so we've got this desire, right? Even in church, we'll say things like, that person is a big Christian or a good Christian. In Afrikaans, we say, you know, that's when you are really, really good Christian. Uh, we even had that campaign, uh, the What Would Jesus Do wristband. I don't know if you wore one of those. I wore one of those. And obviously, there was so much good in that. But I think sometimes what, what has happened with that is also it is this reminder of you have to work on your religion. You have to work on your deeds. You have to work on your, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. And so we even say things like, I have to, um, this year I'm going to work on my Christianity or I'm going to work on my relationship with God. I'm going to work on the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to work on my holiness. And it's work, work, work. Now, I remember when I was in Sunday school or even in, in uh, studying theology in the class once that uh, the following was said, is that, that we are saved by grace and now that we are saved, we live holy lives, we live changed lives or transformed lives to show God how thankful we are. Now, even though there might be some truth in that, the problem is what I heard is that the more thankful I am, the more I'm showing God how thankful, or how, 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 um, how thankful I am, or the harder I work, the more thankful I am. And it's as if I thought that, you know, my, my, the, this changed life or living a good life as a Christian was a way of paying God back for the work that He's done for me. Now, even though we are thankful, that's still not the way it works. You see, let me put it this way. What if this work of transformation or this work of change in our lives, this metamorphosis that is, 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 is continuously happening in our lives as we become more and more, uh, as, as we are transformed into the image of Christ. What if that work is not a work that you do? What if that is also a work that God does on you and in you? What if the work of transformation is actually not hard work, it's actually just hard work? that God comes and does on us. Now, the shift that I want to speak about this week is shifting from activity to identity. You see, I'm going to explain to you a little bit of how identity leads your activity. A better understanding of your identity in God will lead you to different activity. It will lead you to change in your life. And so we're going to be studying the scripture, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And from the scripture, I want to uh, share with you four points. And so I'm going to read it to you again and give you the four points that we're going to be discussing right now. And we all with unveiled face, unveiled face, we're going to quickly speak about that. What does unveiled face mean? Beholding the glory of the Lord, what does beholding mean? Are being transformed into the same image third point is going to be the same image. What does Paul mean when he says we've been transformed into the same image? From one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's going to be the fourth point. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So first one is unveiled face. What does this mean? 
You see, Paul was referring to a passage in the Old Testament where Moses went to the presence of God and God showed himself to Moses. And when Moses was in the presence of God, he started radiating the glory of God. It was as if the glory of God was rubbing off on Moses that when Moses turned from God to the people, his face was still shining. It was radiating the glory of God. So much so that they had to cover the face of Moses with a veil because the glory of God is going to kill the people. So they put this veil in front of the face of Moses to protect the people and also because they, were, they are not ready, they are not worthy of the presence of the glory of God. And so now Mo, uh, Paul is saying that we have unveiled face. You see uh, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 14 says the following, To this day the veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ it is taken away. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When you turn to Jesus, you don't sort out your life. You just turn to the Lord. You allow Jesus to take away the veil. Now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so it's saying this, that we have now the grounds for confidence. We can enter into the, the throne room of heaven with boldness because Jesus has taken away the, la the veil. The veil is, is, is speaking about spiritual blindness when you cannot see God. Jesus has taken that away for us. It is also speaking about a protection from the holiness of God. But now because you are in Christ, you are declared righteous. You can now with unveiled face enter the presence of God. And so what happened here with Moses is that he was looking at God and it rubbed off on him so much so that it started radiating from him. This happens to us also. If you spend lots of time with someone, something of their behaviors and their mannerisms will start rubbing off on you. I saw this in my good friend Brent. Uh, he spent a lot of hours with me. And because he was spending so much time with me, his jokes also started becoming funny. And he became a funnier person because it was rubbing off on the one that he was beholding in that time. Now, that leads me to the second point. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 goes following. And we, with unveiled face, and so speaking about this, this veil has been taken away. We are standing in the presence of God. We can enter the throne room of heaven beholding the glory of the Lord. Beholding, in another translation, the NIV, it says, contemplate or reflect. Beholding or contemplating the glory of the Lord. Why is that important? Why is beholding the glory of God important for your transformation, for being changed into the likeness of God? Well, it works as simple as this. If you spend time in the presence of God, if you gaze upon Him, another translation uses that word, gazing upon the Lord. As we gaze upon the Lord, we are being transformed into His image. It is just spending time in His presence. You see, there's no hard work to it. You don't focus on the fruit of the Spirit. You focus on the Spirit. It's not in your striving that there will be fruit. It is actually in your connecting. It is in your beholding. Because you can enter the presence of God with an unveiled face, you start gazing at God. And as you gaze, there's something of who He is that starts reflecting in your life. And you start exhibiting 
the glory of God, just like Moses exhibited or reflected the glory of God after he was in his presence. Now, then it goes on to say, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And so the same image is referring to God's image. Let me quickly just remind you that in Genesis 1, it explains that you were created in the image of God. Genesis 1 explains that let us make man, let us make them in our image, in our likeness. You were created in the image of God, right? You were created not only from, by him and, and from him, but, but in his image to reflect who he is. But then because of sin, we lost that. We lost this image of God and we could no longer reflect this glory of God anymore. But then in Jesus uh, came the image of the invisible God. That's what the Bible says about Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. It is fully the image of the invisible God. It goes on to say also that Jesus is the firstborn of a new creation. And so if you are in Christ, you are also a new creation because he is the firstborn of this new creation. And if you are part of this new creation in Christ Jesus, you are restored back to your Genesis 1 design. You are restored back to reflect the image of God. And that is what God is busy doing with you. As you gaze upon him, as you behold him, as you contemplate on who God is, as you focus on him, you start discovering who you are because you are created in his, his image. I think it was John Calvin that, that actually says, the more we understand about God, the more we start to understand about ourselves. Because the more we look at God, the more we see who we were made to be in the beginning. That leads me to the, the uh, uh, well, a, a scripture, or the same scripture from the CSB translation. Listen to this. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So it's saying, instead of saying beholding, it's saying we are looking as into a mirror. When we look at God, we actually see something of ourselves. Obviously, we're not saying that you are a God, but you are created in the image of God. And so the more you behold and study who God is, you start understanding who you are. And so this process of change or sanctification is actually just becoming more and more of what you already are. God is making you more and more of what you already are because you are already in the image of God and you're already restored back to that image of God. But now God is busy making you more and more like that. Now that leads me just quickly to the last point where it says this is a work from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is a work of the Spirit. It's not a work that you do. It is also a work that God does in you and on you. You see, you are not the one working. God is the one working. Just like Lorraine explained last week, you are not the artist or the one doing the chiseling. You are not the artist. You are the stone. You are not the potter. You are the clay. And Jesus explains in John chapter 15 that you are not the gardener, but you are the garden. And it's in our connection. He says that my father is the vine dresser, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Remain in me. Behold me. Gaze upon me so that you will bear much fruit. Now I want to end off by just explaining uh, what I've said now in a story, how this happens practically in our lives. And you've probably experienced some of this in your life uh, also. 
But I've got a friend, and uh, he was my roommate at university. And uh, in our first year, uh, I uh, was living far away from God. And after about three months, I got saved, and uh, I started following God passionately. And uh, so this, Darren, I've, I've brought a picture that I want to show you. Um, now, the problem is just that we were roommates at first year, and so we never took nice photos together, right? That's not what guys do. So the only photos we have are the ones where we were dressing up for a, a dress-up party or costume party. Um, but anyways, we were good friends. And after I started, you know, after God sorted out my life for me, uh, I remember telling my friend after this one holiday when this happened, I told Darren that, you know, God really got a hold of me. He changed my life. And I don't want to live the same life anymore. You know, he, he, he's given me a new life now. And, and his comment was, well, I, I, I picked up that you don't swear as much as you did previously. And uh, then there came a moment where God was busy working in his heart and he started speaking to me, you know, asking me lots of questions about this, you know, religion. He didn't have a strong religious background. Um, and I remember he was saying the same thing, how he wants to also sort out his life, but he thinks maybe he should first start with, you know, his uh, girlfriend maybe in that relationship because it wasn't a godly relationship and maybe stop drinking so much and then maybe he'll, you know, sort out his relationship with God. And I said, okay, cool, that's not really the way it works, but come with me to community group. After about three or four times, he got saved. He experienced the presence of God. He says it was, I don't know if it was goosebumps or chills or whatever. He just surrendered to God and God got a hold of him. And Darren's life changed radically. Everyone could see it. Everyone could see that Darren is following Jesus. He's not the same man anymore. But now here's the thing. After about four months, I remember this one moment uh, where Darren lost his patience. He was already saved, but he was struggling with his patience. I remember coming into the bathroom um, and he was busy brushing his teeth. And at one point he, he put down his, his toothbrush after he was finished on the edge of the basin and it fell into the basin and he picked it up and he put it down on the basin again and it fell in again and he got really frustrated by this time. So he picked it up again and he put it down on the basin really hard and then it fell off the edge on the floor. But this was in a male residence, a male hostel at university. The floors are extremely dirty, right? And so he was frustrated, so he picked up the toothbrush, he snapped it in half, he threw it in the basin, he went back to his room. And I thought, well, okay, I shouldn't, you know, just give him some space. When I finally came back to the room, now our room had a cupboard door that was blocking the door when you opened when you wanted to enter now then this this cupboard door it, it didn't stay closed it opened so it was really irritating if you open the door now and then it would knock against this cupboard door and uh, as i was op trying to open the door i felt that this was stuck and it wasn't the normal cupboard door in the way of this door uh, of our room uh, i couldn't open the door and when i finally squeezed it open put my head through i saw the whole cupboard lying on the floor so he ripped off the entire door of the cupboard as well as the whole cupboard he pulled to the ground because he was so angry right so this same Darren he was saved but not sanctified right in many ways this guy has changed radically but in many ways there was still work that God was going to do in his life if you speak to Darren today this is more than 10 years later if you speak to him today he is a patient man he's not the same man as what he was 10 years ago or when he was his first year in his varsity just after he got saved now, how did that happen? How did that happen? Let me tell you what he did not do. Darren did not write the word patience on his mirror and every morning tell himself, 
I proclaim patience. I am patient. He didn't do positive self-talk. He didn't make a wristband with the word patience. He didn't work on his patience. He didn't subscribe to the patience magazine, you know, just to read up on patience every month. You know what he did do? He just gazed upon him. He just, he was beholding the glory of God. Darren was in the habit of reading his Bible and praying. Daily looking at who God is with unveiled face, going to the presence of God, just beholding, being close to God. And through that, God changed him. And today, he is a patient man. You see, the promise is this. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, God gives a promise of what he's going to do in the future, what, this new covenant that he's going to bring about. He's, he's referring to the work of Jesus, what we've got access to now. And he says, and I want to finish with this. He says, from the Old Testament speaking, saying, And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. And we're going to be speaking a bit more about that next week. I'm going to be putting a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. That's the thing is God has made you new and he is continuing to make you new. If you want to become more and more like God, this, if you want to allow this process of metamorphosis in your life, this change, this transformation, what you need to do is you need to understand that you are welcome in the presence of God and you need to gaze upon Him. You need to gaze upon who God is. And in understanding who God is, you will discover who you are, who you truly are. And in that process, God is going to make you more and more like Him. You see, this fruit that we are called to bear, it's not in our striving. It is just in connecting ourselves to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you made it simple for us. Thank you, God, that it's not hard work to enter your kingdom, but even as your children, God, it's not hard work for us to become more and more like you, Jesus. It is a work that you do in our lives, God. And I want to pray, even just with anyone watching this right now, God, I want to pray with them and even for myself, God. We want to say, God, we know that you've given us a new heart and we want to respond to your work in our lives, God. We want to become more and more of what you made us to be. God, come and change us. Come and do this work in us. We open ourselves for you, God. Amen. Bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.